We're now beginning in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. Like 1 Thessalonians, this epistle is regarding the return of Christ. The first was written about A.D. 51. This one was written a few months later or the next year, but it was probably less than a year that the second was written. The first letter was more like he's writing as a nurse speaking to a beginner church. He was real gentle and impressed with them. But this one, he is more like a father disciplining some unruly children and strengthening those who are waiting for the return of the Lord. So he's going to talk about that again, because there still be some misunderstandings. People need to understand the rapture is not dependent on anything. The second coming is. And so sometimes we have to try to figure out which one the epistles, apostles are talking about. Sometimes they just lump them all together. But Paul looked forward to the rapture. He knew it could have happened in his lifetime. He wasn't looking for the second coming when he knew the Lord would return as a judge and a king because there's certain events that have to happen, and he'll talk about those events. So as he addresses them, it says, Paul and Sylvanius and Timothy, we're addressing the church of the Thessalonians. He says, in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were his co-workers, but when he uses the word in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he's speaking of their being the children of God and in him. Today, many don't understand that everybody thinks you could just serve God Almighty and you're okay. Well, you cannot. You have to have, and we'll go to it briefly, Second John, verse 7. Beware, for many deceivers have gone out into the world and who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Well, people think we don't have much to deal with that today. Well, we have not only a, a billion Muslims and a, another large amount of Hindus, the Muslims, they like to go through Ishmael, and that's why they circumcise their males when they're 13 years old. So they recognize Ishmael as being superior in advantage, but God refuted that. He gave the covenant to Jacob, and many times we see God chose the second son. He's revealing that it's not by birth, it's by God's choosing. So he can alter the process, and he, he's done it several times. Solomon was chose that way and had to end up killing a brother, a relative, because the, he was trying to take his kingdom over, thinking that he deserved it. Well, see, this was from human thinking. Saul was trying to kill David because he expected Jonathan to be king. He didn't care much about what Samuel said, and that's why God rejected him, one of the reasons, and sent demons to terrorize him. There was no hope for Saul after a certain point. He could not be redeemed, no more than the fallen angels could. 
So uh, the people today think, well, you know, just love everybody, and it doesn't matter as long as you recognize God. Well, the God of the Muslims, they call Allah, a lot of people believe he's God Almighty. But he's not the Jehovah that we know of. And, and one reason alone that he says, let me go back to it again. He said, he also said, if you have the Son, you have the Father. But if you don't have Christ, the Father is not recognized. He doesn't honor you. So that even if their God was Jehovah, he's not hearing their prayers because they rejected his Son, the same as the Jews. They rejected him. Therefore, Jesus said to the Pharisees and priests, he says, your father is a devil. And they thought he was Jehovah God. But they knew him mentally, like a multitude of professing Christians that are going to say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. You may mentally believe these things, but there's no reality to it. So those who reject that Jesus came into human flesh and he gave his life, and he was the incarnation and the Savior, they cannot have the Father. For Jesus said when the Spirit enters them, when they're born again, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit abide in them. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So you cannot have one. You cannot have the Father without the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And anybody who tries is a thief and a robber, and God don't hear them. If they don't recognize his son, he doesn't recognize them. He's not their God. So we need to understand that it is important what you believe, because it will get you into heaven or hell. But what you believe is no good if you don't carry through with obedience and service to the Lord. So many believe Jesus died on the cross. They believe he, he's their savior, but he's not. They've not been regenerated. They don't follow him as Lord. They're not led of the spirit. They live their own lives. And yet they say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I never knew you. See, he don't recognize them as being his. So anyone who comes bringing that teaching John says you don't either welcome in your home, you don't wish them Godspeed, you don't support their ministry. There is no fellowship of the Christians and Jews. That's paganism. We have no fellowship with Jews who reject Jesus Christ as being the Savior. It's the liberal false Christians that do this and misguided stupid Christians. They are not the elect. Only the Jews like Paul and the apostles the first six and eight years, they came to the Lord and laid the foundation. But they are the elect, the chosen. The ones who don't come through Christ are not chosen. They're destined for hell. God don't consider them his. He cursed them to a great degree. And he's, through generations, he's allowed them to be persecuted, not because they're holy, because they're disobedient and won't come through Christ. And that has not change. So you cannot have fellowship, true fellowship, with a Jew that rejects Jesus Christ. He's an enemy. His father is the devil. And Paul said, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What fellowship has someone with God and the devil? Well, again, all religions 
that don't recognize Jesus Christ as God and the Lord, they're false and they're manipulated by demons. All the political structures, religious structures of the world. He's called the God of this world. And he runs these things. So many claim this and that, but they're going to find out when it's too late, many of them, it's not true. He'll say, you're cursed of my father. He didn't ask them what they believed about him, the ones that said, Lord, Lord. He said, you're workers of lawlessness. It means you did not submit to the law of Christ. You did not follow him. And even Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? So if you don't obey and follow and bear fruit and spiritual works, that's what James and Paul talked about, you ain't got the goods. See, most people have lip service. The Jews in the old often, they had lip service. And he said, but your heart's far from me. He didn't recognize them as his and he judged them because they did not abide in the covenant. And so old and new, there were certain conditions. There is no unconditional covenant. All covenants with man depend on man's obedience and staying in the covenant. There is no grace that covers everything. There is no irresistible once saved grace. That's a lie of the devil. If you're not led of him, he said, you're my friends if you do what I tell you. John makes it plain. This is the love of God to keep his commandments. He didn't say it's an emotion, a feeling. Did you go and sing and feel good and think you've worshiped? If you don't keep his words, you don't have him. He don't recognize you. So we can see why a lot of people are under deceptions. And they do a lot of humanitarian good in Jesus' name. He don't receive it. He doesn't take the sacrifices and gifts of the wicked. It says the Obama, the sacrifices of the wicked, Psalm says, is an abomination to the Lord. It's an insult to him. If there is no obedience, and the words used, and we see it a few times, and the greasy graces don't emphasize it, but it's they do not obey the gospel. It didn't say they didn't believe. It says they do not obey. And we're going to find out in this epistle that God's going to pour his wrath out on those who did not obey the gospel. So we need to come back. So John was simply saying, you don't invite evangelists who are preaching Jesus who deny him coming in the flesh. There was some perversions and heresies prevailing then. He says, you don't even let them in your house. You don't fellowship with them. You don't give them Christian hospitality. Back then, they put the traveling evangelists and stuff, they put them up and were hospital to them. He says, you're not to invite them in your house, and you're not to pray Godspeed or God bless you, he said, because you'll share in their evil. So if you bring them in and support them, uh, you are telling people, I support this heresy. And you'll be judged with them, as far as John says. He says, you don't want to be partakers. So it is important that you don't support ministries and people who teach heresies and damnable doctrines, because you'll share with it, as far as John is concerned. So we need to believe what the gospel says. Okay. So he says, grace to you and peace 
from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, they're linked together. You cannot have one without the other. If you have Jesus, you have the Trinity, if you want to call him that. You have the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And as we've said before, the Spirit of the Lord came on them. We see the Holy Spirit, and Paul makes it plain, that Spirit, the Lord is that Spirit. Christ is the Eternal Father, and he is the Spirit. There's such a oneness in them. We attribute the word Trinity, but it's not in Scripture. But we see the persons used differently, but they're the same God. There's only one God. There's not three separate gods moving around. Everything that's done by God is done by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Son, the term is not basically used until he took on the human nature. It was the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. He created the world with the Father. All things were created by him and for him. So he's making it plain. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the existing one. So they would deny this. They deny his humanity. They deny his uh, holy sacrifice. So he says, you don't recognize them just because they say they believe in Jesus. Well, that kind of belief is dead and won't produce nothing spiritually. Okay, in verse 3, it says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as it is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows greater. So he's using a term that we prayed. So he's letting us know that he and his co-workers prayed continually for the churches. They went and established many of these churches and they felt the obligation to keep praying. And the apostles checked on them and went back at times and did what he's doing now, straightened out wrong beliefs and exposing heresies. That was the apostle's job. So he could go back and deal with these leaders if they got off. He could turn them over to the devil for punishment. He had apostolic authority to do this. And as he said, you may have many who love you and the Lord, but you only have one father spiritually. That's me. I established your church. I'm responsible for it. So you just don't get people saved and leave. There was no such teaching in Scripture. You disciple them and take care of them. And if you can't do it, you have someone else to do it. A lot of people, well, at least they're born again. Well, they'll die again very soon. An individual could stay with the Lord if he studies the Word and obeys the Spirit. But the norm was to disciple them, to teach them. And most would not last long without it. So, no, they're not saved just because they said this prayer. They have to continue in the faith. They have to grow in the faith and bear fruit. It's a lifestyle. It's not a heretical teaching of once saved, always saved, or just confess Jesus. Well, the devils do that and tremble, James says. They know who Jesus is. They don't confess him as their personal Lord. They know he's the eternal God. They said, we know you. You're the Holy One of Israel. Who was the Holy One of Israel? Jehovah. What have you come, they said, to torment us before the time? 
the fallen angels and demons know that as an appointed time, they will be cast into the lake of fire. And they were afraid Jesus was going to throw them there immediately. And they may not have been given any reasons why he couldn't. But they were terrorized when he confronted them. They knew who he was, but they don't worship him and honor him. They're his enemies. But they know he's the divine almighty. They have no question. And so belief don't mean nothing. A person that confesses something, if he's not living it and practicing it, he's lip service and it's not acceptable to God. So traditional Christianity is false. Most people who claim to be Christians are not Christians. Most denominations and churches, all of them to some degree, have gone astray. It's up to the individuals in the church. And when the leadership of the church is not built on a foundation, it's not has a lampstand. God don't recognize it as a church. So we got to be careful in these darker times as it will get worse and worse, okay? Four, therefore, for this reason, we ourselves, we speak proudly of you among the other churches. Remember, he did that in the first epistle, told him that. For your perseverance or endurance in faith in the midst of your persecutions and afflictions, which you endure. This was the beginning, church, and he was he was glorying in them because you last longer than some of them been in the way long you have. You've only come to the Lord, and yet you're enduring. You're not falling away. Jesus said many that they will receive the word of God with joy. Yeah, the joy of their salvation. Their sins are being forgiven. God becomes their father. He said, but when trial and tribulation comes because of the demands of the word and the covenant, he says, you fall away for you have no root. Well, that's what happens to most people. They fall away after the feel-good times end. After all of that end, they have to deal with conflict and warfare. They're at war. They're in a pilgrimage. And a lot of them don't get grounded. They ain't interested in that. But when the storm comes, they don't last. See? They don't last long because they haven't prepared themselves that part of the Christian lot was persecution. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. The world hates you. Oh, you may not get beat up, but the real world, if you're a real Christian, they're not interested in you that much. They don't. Your lifestyle convicts them. They don't like people trying to be holier than them. They want to be accepted as they are. And the true Christian does not accept sinful, unrighteous living. And he does not fellowship with those kind of people. Well, that already makes enemies right there. And on the other hand, uh, we suffer conflict uh, because the Christian has to resist the world of flesh and demons constantly. We're at warfare. So that's suffering for the gospel. A lot of people think, oh, just to be persecuted, they think it's so great to be a martyr. Some martyrs died quickly. They will not get the rewards of Christians who've lived 20 and 30 years and remain faithful. It's easy to be killed. So people try to make a big... In the early church, those wanted to throw their life away, and they were warned not to. You're wasting God's 
purposes. His purpose is not for you to kill yourself and go to heaven. It's to live out your life and lot as he has planned. So it's not just escapism. That's just a bonus later that you go to heaven. But people who want to do that to get out of their situation, we hear that again. A lot of people talk about the rapture and the coming of the Lord. And most of them that talk about it aren't going. Because John says you got to live righteously and be pure. Well, they're not. But see, they've been lied to. Grace covers everything. If you're saved, that's all you worry about. Well, you're going to be deceived and left behind. Paul said, if you know he's coming and you know he's pure, he said, you better live righteously. He said, lest you be ashamed. The word means lest you be disappointed. Why are you going to be disappointed? Because you're not going when the Lord comes, because you're not walking in the spirit and you're not obeying him. So that nullifies 95% of people who profess to be Christians. So, see, they're looking for a great escape. If you're not taking up the cross and obeying the Lord and denying yourself today, you're not going to be ready to be raptured. Or you ain't going to be ready to die. You may be highly disappointed at the resurrection when God evaluates everything. Might fool people, but it don't fool him. Okay? We're to serve God with fear and trembling, the apostle said. Now, he's talking about the godly Christian. We serve, uh, he says, with fear and reverence, for our God is a consuming fire. He quoted that out of Deuteronomy. If you go after idols and you don't serve me, I'll consume you. His fire destroys. Well, the ultimate example is hell and the lake of fire. That's going to be God's consuming the wicked. And it's going to be continually and everlasting. His wrath and justice and holiness will be against them. He'll never give them a good thought. The word is he'll have utter contempt. This means total disregard. They're his enemies. Grace and love has stopped. It's run its course. And there's no scripture that says God loves people in hell. He says he's anguish and tribulation and bitterness and wrath to every soul that does evil, that's going to be God's attitude. So as long as someone's living, God has goodwill and he desires the wicked to repent. The old says, and it applies to, this is not God's will any perish, but all come and repent and change. And he says that in the new, you who sin, sin no more. So people who think they can grossly, with knowledge, rebel and sin against God, they go find out they're not his, and he's not going to redeem them because they're not in Christ and are not obeying him. And so again, Jesus said, don't call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to obey me. Why? Because he's not your Lord. He's only those who obey. And to obey the gospel doesn't mean just getting saved. That's the beginning. It's to live the Christian life the gospel includes the epistles, the teachings, and Jesus said it's better when the apostles come. We have a better advantage with the epistles over the gospels because they explain the gospel. The gospel did not give the Holy Spirit to people. The new covenant does. That's why Jesus said it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, he said the Spirit will not come. So 
At Pentecost, when the Spirit was pulling out, Christ entered people and lived in them. He did not do that while he was on earth. So he's speaking glory in them among the other churches. Now, the word proud, like other words, it's usually used in a negative sense. But here it's glorying in, honoring those that done so well. And so that sense, some use boasting. In most cases, it's a negative word. Uh huh. But in this case, it is not. When Paul is speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians, let me go there real briefly. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Different translations, but the old, and some of them say, but covet earnestly the better gifts, the greater gifts. Earnestly desire, it means coveting is usually, always used as a bad word. It means greed and self-seeking and selfish desires. And Paul said, covetousness is idolatry. And he says, and you know, no idolater will enter the kingdom of heaven. So he calls it what it is. But a couple of times here, it's used in a good sense to covet and go after with a strong desire the greater gifts. This is one of the few times the words used in a good context. Most of the time, it's a bad context. Uh, Tenth commandment, you shall not covet. And then when you go to 1 Corinthians 14, 39, he said, brethren, covet earnestly, desire sincerely and strongly to prophesy. So he's using that word that in any other context, it's damnable. And so Jesus is likened in one portion. He says, I'll come as a thief. Well, a thief is a wicked robber in person. But he said, when I return, I'll come as a thief in the night. He's used that that they'd understand what he's talking about. He's coming secretly, but he's not coming to rob or steal. He's coming to get his own. But the masses will not understand uh, what he's doing, and those who aren't following the Lord will not understand what he's doing. So we see that he's bragging in a way of the achievement of these Thessalonians. He's very impressed with them, even in both epistles. If he was to give a standard of what he liked as a progressive church, it would be the Thessalonians. And if he was to give which one he considered one of the worst, would be Corinthians. And he reproved them, and there were always good and bad in these churches. But when he got to the bad side, he really went at them. He said, perhaps you've been disqualified from Christianity. You're living this way and doing that, and you're treating lesser Christians because you got money and influence. You're treating them wrong, and God's striking you with diseases to kill you in hopes that you'll repent and not be damned with the world. Paul turned them over. The Lord did because they showed contempt for poor Christians who were slaves. Men, 25% of them at Paul's time were slaves, and they didn't have nothing. And they come together and serve communion and, 
and love feasts, and some of the well-to-do Christians had all kinds of fancy things to eat, and they wanted their buddies to come and join them, and uh, you poor Christians go sit in a corner where you can see why God killed them. They use some strong that they'll not be damned with the world. Chastening is to produce repentance. It's grievous. So if the Corinthians did not repent, they went to hell when they died. But Hebrews says it's to produce the fruit of righteousness. Then when God chastens the Christian, it's that he'll get the point, stop your sinning. And if not, you'll be cut off eventually. His patience, as the old word says, he that is often reproved, often, he said he'll stiffen his neck. He'll get arrogant, stubborn, and willful against God. He said that he'll be cut off without remedy. It means God has enough of it. Hebrews says the Lord has no bastards. So if you know someone who claims to be a Christian and he's living in gross sin and he still thinks he's okay, he's been deceived. He's on his way to hell. He just don't see it because the demons blind him to it because of his sins. He told many of the Pharisees, you cannot be saved. You'll die in your sins because they didn't want to believe who he was. And he had nothing else to offer them. He said, you'll die in your sins. Uh-huh. He told them, search the law, search the prophets. They speak of me. But because they were covetous and greedy and wicked in their heart, the Lord Father kept it from them. He's not interested in giving things to wicked people. He's interested in repentance first. He don't explain nothing to them. Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks signs. He don't give signs to wicked people. He gives signs when he needs to to his own. People think he's out there trying to convince all the wicked. He's not. That's part of their punishment. When Jesus ascended up into heaven and the angels were talking to the apostles and they said, the way he's leaving, he's going to come back. 500 people witnessed this. And it's interesting you read the context. Witnesses chosen by God. There weren't no sinners watching this. They were blinded if they were. He didn't intend to prove that to them. Spiritual things are different. He ain't out to prove anything. Everybody, well, if he does this and he does that, well, you'll go to hell because he's not going to do it. He's not up to obeying a wicked person. You'll come God's way and by conviction and his word and your conscience, or you won't come. And you're not going to be saved in any special way. You're going to be lost like everybody that doesn't come to the Lord. So we see then, he's proud of their advancement, and they were being persecuted and afflicted, and there was a new church, new gatherings, and yet they endured and remained in Christ. They didn't endure a little while and fall away. Like Jesus said, they received the word with joy. But when trial and tribulation come, they fall away, for they have no root in them. So baby Christians are immediately start getting grounded because he's saying the storm is going to come. There is going to be suffering and conflict for your Christianity. Whether it's through the flesh, the world, or the devil, you're going to have troubles in this world. 
Because not only does the world hate you, the devil hates you. And the old nature of yours is going to fight up and try to get you to go back to its way of living. So we live in a pilgrimage. We live in a warfare. And we have to remain faithful. And that's why the seven churches, he said the same thing to you who overcome. He's talking to Christians. But he didn't say you've already overcome. He meant you've got to overcome to the end of your life. And then you'll get this. If you don't overcome, you'll get the lake of fire. Uh See, people don't like that. Paul given a lot of warnings and admonishments to those who are following the Lord. When he had to, he rebuked those who were in error and sin. Galatians, they'd gone back to trying to be justified by the law and brought under by the Judaizers. And he said, I'm praying that Christ be formed in you. He's actually saying some of them lost their salvation. They lost Christ. He said, I'm praying that Christ will be formed in you again. That means you need to be born again, again. People think, oh, once you're saved, always saved. No, that's like saying once you're lost, you're always lost. No, as long as you're alive and haven't blasphemed the spirit to a great degree, there's hope. He deals with the conscience. He still deals with the world and the level they're at. He gives grace. No one's going to hell because they didn't hear the gospel. They're going to hell because they didn't obey it or they didn't obey their conscience, the limited light that God gave them. But if they reject the gospel, that's another story. Okay? So we need to see how can he be a God of grace and love if he's predestined people to go to heaven or hell? He's a monster. I don't mind saying that. He's a monster, if that's true. Then eat, drink, and be merry, because it don't matter what you do, you're going to heaven or hell, because God has already appointed you that. See, that's a bunch of foolishness and demonology talking there. God is just and loving and patient, and that's all of him. And these people say, well, in God's sovereignty wisdom, he can do, no, he can't. He would be a devil. It's against his nature. He made no provision for the fallen angels because of the truth and the light they had. They had the best and rebelled. So he saw fit not to give them. But as soon as Adam and Eve, he sought to start to redeem them. He started to work with them. They were not, as some of the false teachers say, totally depraved. Cain was not totally depraved. God came down and told him about his temptations and sins and anger And he said, it's like a a beast crouching at your door. He said, overcome it, subdue it. Now, he wouldn't have told Cain to do that if Cain couldn't have done it. And the light that he was given, he could obey or disobey. All the people could. He didn't judge them by the gospel standards. He was dealing with them in a different way, a lesser way. And he winked at their ignorance, the scripture said, of the Gentiles. He didn't hold them accountable like he did the Jews because they were given privileges and covenants and still rebelled. And that's why he went to the Gentiles to agitate the Jews. That was one of his reasons. To say, you think you're so special and I've given you promise and, and you sin against me. I'll go to a people you think are despised and worthless. And that's what he did. Jesus said, 
They will come from the east and the south and the west and join Abraham in the kingdom. But the children of the kingdom, Jesus said, that's the Jews, will be cast into outer darkness. They're going to hell as a whole. See, because they rejected and did not live the covenant. And then they killed the Lord of glory and the prophets when he tried to redeem them. So he's keeping measurements and he keeps records. God don't forget anything. As we say, every idle word that a wicked person speaks, he'll answer for at the day of judgment. Every one. And every good deed that a Christian does in the name of Christ, giving a cup of cold water, that's like offering someone a beverage or a coffee or Coke, a very small thing. He said, they'll not lose their reward. So God is just. And when people say, well, I'm not interested, well, you're an idiot. You insult God. Hebrews says, God is not unjust to forget the good deeds you've done for the saints. See, so he will punish the wicked, but he rewards the righteous. Those who are in Christ and do things for him and by him, he rewards them for this. He said it would be unjust for him not to do it. That's his nature. Eternal life to those who do good and wrath for those who do evil. And he has not changed, okay? Okay, now this persecution and affliction, verse 5. This, that what he's talking about, is an indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom for which you are suffering. Now, Jesus made an interesting statement when they were talking about marriage and remarriage and they were trying to trap Jesus. This woman was married seven times. Who's her husband? And he said, well, you error. First of all, you don't know the power of God. But he said, in the resurrection of the just, they're neither given in marriage nor taken. They don't have sex as we know it. That's an earthly relationship and marriage. He said, they will be as angels. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break here.